Friday, April 29th. Extra tickets from 81 Euro are on sale now. Maybe subject to fees. Presented by Aiken Promotions. We're live from Porky Cueve on Dave Max Drive this Wednesday, April 6th with Sports Direct, proud official sponsors of Cork GAA to launch the 2022 All-Ireland Senior Championship and wish the Rebel County all the best. Join us for your chance to win the new season Cork GAA training kit and hear from some of the country's greats on what lies ahead this summer. That's Dave Max Drive with Sports Direct, born to play. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. like a good dose of technical difficulties to get the show underway Rory here with you on the Big Red Bench eventually we're here until 7pm busy show tonight busy 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 show going to hear from Kieran King Cinema Quarks defeat to Walford going to hear from Dennis Hurley he's going to talk us through the game Tomas O'Leary on Munster's defeat to Leinster going to talk Masters preview going to talk to Jeremy McCarthy with his book plenty more listening to the Big Red Bench on Quarks FM I'm out of breath from running in between studios and this is from a man who ran 10 miles at the uh, Sonny O'Sullivan Cove 10 this morning. Maybe that's why I am so out of breath. My name is Rory. I'm with you until 7pm. Yeah, a great day down in Cove today for the Sonia O'Sullivan Cove 10. Fantastic crowd. Great to see Sonia. Our man Rob Heffernan running along with Sonia as well. He did it in 71 minutes. I was just slightly behind him. 95 minutes um, slightly slightly so if you hear me screaming in the middle of any links it's because I have cramped up and I am in agony but hopefully it won't come to that going to wrap up all today's action we'll start with uh, Tottenham leading Newcastle by four goals to one Nigel Bidmead should have been 5-1 Hyungmin Son dragging a shot wide when he was completely through Newcastle have folded Tottenham's fourth goal scored by Emerson Royale touching home from close range Spurs in complete control and heading for the top four Spurs four Newcastle one Elsewhere, Everton, their relegation worries are, well, they're certainly very, very serious. Beaten today by West Ham, Guy Swindles. West Ham 2, Everton 1. The Hammers doing just enough. Everton shooting themselves in the foot. Cresswell's fine free kick in the first half gave the Hammers the lead. But when Mason Holgate's deflected volley was uh, put past the keeper in the West Ham goal, Fabianski, and Everton were level, but they looked right back in it. However, Iwobi gave the ball away. Antonio was off. Bowen, well, the first shot was saved, but Bowen there was to tuck home the rebound. Then moments later, Keane got himself sent off for a second bookable offence. And after that, the Hammers held on. West Ham 2, Everton 1. So that means that Everton are just three points clear of the relegation zone following that 2-1 defeat to West Ham. But... Frank Lampard, encouraged by their performance. I can't fault the players. Can't fault their character, their play, generally. Mistakes, yeah, a couple of mistakes, but so did they make, and, and it didn't fall our way. So the performance was really positive, and we've got 10 games to perform like that again. 
Elsewhere, Celtic, a fantastic day for them. Six points clear at the top of the Scottish Premiership table. A 2-1 win over Earl from Rivals Rangers. Boss Angie Postacoglu says it was a massive result. It's really proud of the players. Uh, it's uh, it's a difficult place to come to. And, um, you know, they, uh, they cut off to a great start. And you kind of know in those kind of conditions, everything's in their favour. Uh, it's going to take a massive effort for us to turn it around. And, uh, yeah, I thought the boys were brilliant. Chidozi Og Benning making headlines yet again. Of course, scoring a head kick for Ireland last week. This week, scoring the winner for Rotherham United in the EFL Trophy final as they beat Sutton United by three goals to two. Um, he scored in extra time. A fantastic goal from the Corkman in the sixth minute uh, of the extra period. Fantastic stuff indeed from him. Kerry have beaten Mayo in the final of Division 1 of the Alliance National Football League today. Goals from Gavin White, Jason Foley, and David Clifford gave the Kingdom a 319 to 13 point victory at Croke Park. Earlier, Russ Common crowned the Division 2 champions for 2022 as they picked their Connacht rivals Galway 120 to 22 points. Elsewhere in Camogie, Cork beaten today by Antrim in the Woods Ireland Division 2 semi-final 2-11-1-12 was how that finished Cork a great comeback from them but just uh, didn't have enough in the end against the Saffrons then they'll face Wexford to be Waterford 1-12-2-9 points elsewhere England making it two wins from two in the TikTok Women's Six Nations as they hammered Italy they beat um, 74 points to nil today in golf and uh, Leona Maguire looking to bounce back in her final round the Chevron Championship in California she is one under in the first major of the year 15 shots off the pace she's just underway Stephanie Meadow best of the Irish four under underway at around 10 past 8 and Tiger Woods says he'll make a game day decision about whether or not he'll be able to compete at the Masters next week the five time Augusta champion is heading to the course today to continue his preparations Woods is still recovering from a car crash in February last year which left him with some serious leg injuries alright we're going to start the show by looking back on Cork's defeat uh, to Waterford last night in the league final disappointing result for Cork and uh Limerick's coming to the championship in two weeks' time. It's going to be an absolute cracker, but disappointment last night is in word for it against Waterford, who admittedly were excellent at Temple Stadium last night. The reaction of Kieran Kingston, we're going to hear from Dennis Hurley of the Evening Echo just after that. I said at the press conference before the game, we were going to pick the team, in my view, uh, the best team I've seen since the break between the team. Uh, we offer good there. We're looking at their four other in a row, uh, and we saw that there today. So, Massive congratulations to Limerick. From our perspective, we'd like to stop the tie with a bucket. Um, not a lot you could do, no matter what we tried, we're short, we're long. I think they were just at a lower level than we today. And we've got to be honest and say that. What's the dressing room like in there? I'm looking kind of going to media at the moment, as you can imagine, disappointed. Um, 13 guys playing in the first all Ireland final today. Um, we came up here, I suppose, on the back of. A lot of talk around cock hurling, the narrative on cock hurling, and uh, Miners winning last night, no one following his team for the first time in 20 years, and the, the, the 20s haven't won the last two. Uh, after 22 years, they're going to have a break, which is great, but it seems getting to the final is another bit of a momentum, I suppose, unexpectedly. Uh, but it's really until we start performing at this level that we can say, yeah, cock hurling is in a good place, it's great to have underage times in many counties had them before, but it's when we start winning at this level, it's then we say, yeah. All right, joined on the line by the Echoes, Dennis Hurley, to look back on Cork's defeat to Waterford last night. And Dennis, I suppose, a bit of a wake-up call for Cork last night. Um, I suppose, you, yeah, you'd say that, Rory, definitely. Um, 
I suppose, uh, how would I put it, Limerick, Limerick seemed a lot better all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> not that they were ever going to be written off, but certainly after the way the results went last night, you're looking now at the Championship opener on Sunday week and you're saying, God, if Limerick come down to Parky Cueve and get a win, then all of a sudden, you know, what seemed like a fairly bright um, vista is, is a bit worrying. Obviously, that there's, there's no guarantee that'll happen. Cork could turn it around and win. But uh, definitely, um, like like Kieran Kingston said afterwards, you know there'll be lessons to take from it. Maybe more lessons from that game than from the rest of the hmm. the, the games where they where they won. From the game itself, then I suppose it all turned. I suppose in those two goals from Patrick Curran and Stephen Bennett uh, in the space of a minute. Yeah, it, and it was it was a bit like the, the Limerick Monster Championship game in in, in Turles last. Um, Last July, where they hit Cork for two goals in a minute, just coming up to half time, and it, um, you know, Cork, Cork kind of started a bit slowly again. They were down, I think, five two and six three, and then got it back to seven all, and then straight away they were just hit for those two goals. And when Cork looked back, they they definitely feel that Waterford were allowed drive through the middle a bit too easy, um, and you know. To be like to, to be six down like that in, in, in such a short space of time was a blow, and they did they did kind of bounce back well. They almost had a goal straight away, and then they got three points to come back to three. But Waterford got the last three before half time, and they kept that cushion for most of the of the the, the second half, and they were able to have the third goal um, when it looked like Cork might be getting a bit of momentum. And then even when Cork got it down to four points in the sixty fourth minute. Um, Waterford replied with the fourth goal, and that that just um, that just ended it. So it's no great secret that Waterford had such good firepower. Mm. I think the four goals last night brought them up to twenty-two for their seven league games. Um, like they got five against Wexford in the semi-finals. So it, it's something that Cork had been trying to, to target for the last year, or even even back in pre-COVID at the start of twenty twenty, just to become more of a goal-scoring team, and they had improved in that regard, but. The, those rates have kind of dropped and then to be hit for four goals like that you know you're not going to win a lot of games if um, if if the other team are getting three more goals mm. than you that has to be a concern though Dennis I mean like even looking at the game last night Cork kind of in that kind of zonal defence stood off Waterford an awful lot and when Waterford ran at them Cork didn't seem to have any answers yeah it, it, it's definitely something that has to be worked on Um ahead of the Limerick game because of the uh, attacking prowess that, that they possess um, you know I suppose the, the the back that came out with the most credit was Sean O'Donoghue who did a good job on Desi Hutchinson for a lot of the game even then Desi Hutchinson got the the fourth goal um, like it, it's 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 something something that they need to work on um, like I, I don't know if if the if the, the six backs chosen last night will be lining out in the same positions against Limerick but then you'd wonder you know would you not be better off kind of using it as a dry run for the championship and picking your starting 15 or maybe there is method to it and they were trying to hold something back but you would you would have a, a worry like mm. Limerick Limerick I suppose aren't a goal scoring team but they, they of course can get goals but they tend to do most of the damage from out the field and you know, score 25, 26 points, which is hard to beat as well if you're not scoring goals. So maybe maybe it mightn't be as much of a, a factor against them, but 
um, you know, you're, you're still looking to, to limit their scoring opportunities. So it's um, it's definitely something that that will will need to be prioritised in the next um, week and a half. What positives will Karen Kingston take out of last night's game? Do you think? Um, he 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 was asked that afterwards, um, and he did say how how the team did look to respond after the setbacks. They weren't able to to fully respond and get back level at any stage after that. But I suppose there was no throwing in of the towel even. Robbie O'Flynn's goal came at the very end, but it still showed that they were kind of pushing, pushing on, until the end. And I suppose that's that might count for something in the round robin when scoring difference could be could be a factor. Rob, Robbie O'Flynn got one three uh, himself and Shane Barrett, probably the, the forwards that came out with the most credit. Sean O'Donoghue then in defence, um, but it is it, it probably was a collective jolt um, to remind fellas that. Um, as well as the league has gone, we are just facing into the, the real thing now. Very quick turnaround now, Dennis, as well. Two weeks, as you mentioned, to that Limerick game and what should be a very, very big crowd down in Parky Cueve. It's going to be a, a, an incredible occasion down there. It will, absolutely, especially as it's going to be the only um, hurling championship game in Parky Cueve all summer. Um, and, you know, Cork will be looking for a, a big a big crowd to cheer them on. The All-Ireland Champions coming. It, it's, um, it, like you say, it will be a great occasion. Um, but... It's. I suppose there is just that bit more of uncertainty now as to what level of performance will come. I think. I think there'll have to be a response. Um, so you know we might kind of look back, um, in hindsight at the league final as a blessing in disguise. Um, so I suppose if if it can be a, an educational experience, um, then we, we'll we'll take that if that's the the best that can be um, made of it. Perfect, Dennis. As always, a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the bench. Thanks, Rory. Yeah, it's Dennis Hurley there of the evening echo joining us and a hearty congratulations to Dennis as well. Top of the book charts for his new book, Cork Hurling, The Game of My Life, out now on Hero Books. And we'll be talking about Dennis uh, uh, on the show next week about that uh, fantastic book um, from him and uh, fully deserved to be top of the table, so to speak, top of the book chart. Congratulations indeed to Dennis Tottenham. have just gone 5-1 up on Newcastle, 83 minutes gone on the clock. They're going to hear now from uh, the Waterford Boss Liam Cal speaking uh, to WLR. Liam, how does it feel to pick up your first piece of silverware as water manager? Yeah, Tomas, we're delighted, sure. Um, it has been a good league for us it was great to get to the latter stages of it and then obviously into the final tonight so when you're in the final it's, it's good to perform and the game was I suppose a, a bit cagey early on by both sides it wasn't maybe a great spectacle a lot of mistakes in it but um, look delighted to win and it's good little confidence boost for everybody myself included you spoke about rootlessness earlier on in the campaign I think after the Leash game Liam did the players show that in front of goal tonight I did it yeah they're, they're beginning to get it but like the real test will be um, you know, starting Easter Sunday, let's call a spade a spade. That's that's the the real judge. Championship hurling is is where you really find out whether whether the the jigsaw is coming together or not. So we've um, to really try and get ourselves in in the best shape possible again for that, and get fellas back on the pitch and get get injuries sorted out. And and um, you know, there'll be a lot of learnings from tonight as well. There was a lot of ball handling errors, a lot of mistakes, a lot of ball that didn't go to hand that could have created more little little openings but all stuff that, that Mikey and Tony and, and Stephen and I will work on with the boys over the next couple of couple of days and nights Cork Daly seemed to come of age tonight Liam what you make of his display in the middle of the field? Actually he's you know he's a, he's a great young man like he's only 20, 
maybe even 28 I think 20 years of age showed all his form like that with his club when I saw him early in the championship last year so thrilled that he's he's actually you know stepping up you never know when, when you bring in these guys whether they're able to step up or not especially when they're, they're one so young like 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 Horrock but uh, um, great baptism again for him tonight and you know he's definitely a guy that, that has a big future once he stays, stays lucky and, and, and stays sound like you know you must be delighted with the energy again that you turned Cork over on numerous occasions and again that, that breaking at pace again tonight yeah, it's, look, it's, it's a high-tempo game. That the evenings are getting long, and uh, you know the the bumblebee is starting to come back out again. So the summer is coming, and you know it's high tempo, and the ball is going to get faster, and the opposition are going to get uh, really tightened up. Um, and you know it's 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 uh, it's going to be a big ask again now. What, what's coming at us down the tracks? But we're 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 looking forward to it now as the long evenings come in to play um, Gavin. Yeah. Yeah. What sort of a boost will it give the squad lean going into two weeks' time? Actually, it can't, but not give us a boost. Like you know, it's it's good. Any time I've spoken about, any time you can get your hands on on um, a bit of silverware, and as, as we as we call it, just you know, getting your head in front and being able to to, to win them finals. We were in two already since we arrived, and and uh, you know, tonight as little as people might think it is, it, it is important to, to 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 get a bit of silverware and, and start building a bit of confidence as, as the championship comes comes. Down. Yeah, the big red bench on Cork Shot FM. That is Liam Callar speaking to WLR after last night's win over Cork. Next up for Cork, as you mentioned, that uh, game against Limerick in Porky Creef. In just two weeks' time, Championship hurling just around the corner. And it's going to be absolutely cracking. All right, going to get a report from that fifth goal from uh, Tottenham from Nigel Bidmead. This is turning into a rout. It's Spurs 5, Newcastle 1. Spurs have scored four times in this second half. The latest on 83 from substitute Stephen Bergwijn. Got the break of the ball, threw on the goalkeeper and slid it home. Spurs 5, Newcastle 1. And Spurs looking very, very good indeed for that. Going to talk rugby now. Munster uh, beaten last night by Leinster um, at Tolman Park and look beaten well by Leinster at Tolman Park and it was uh, gave me a great uh, chance to catch up with our old friend uh, Tomas O'Leary former Ireland and uh, Munster scrum half uh, to chat about the game Right for more on Leinster's big win over Munster last night our good friend Tomas O'Leary has joined us on the big red bench Tomas good to talk to you buddy Yeah for two I hear you're uh you're turning into a serious athlete these days again. <laughs> I'm not. I suppose Rob Heflin is the serious athlete here on Corks Red FM, but uh, I'm kind of the the slogger at the back of the pack. But a good day at the Cove Ten this morning, even if I am in agony now today. But we'll, if I start screaming in, in the middle of this, it means I'm after cramping up. Uh, well done, boy. and you're running a marathon later in the year, yeah. Yeah, doing a double marathon this year, like so. Fingers crossed, like you know, if I if I get to is the start, your line, first, yeah. is that your first marathon? First is marathon, yeah. So look, yeah. Just something to do, I suppose. Gets me out of the house anyway. Keeps me off the streets. Never, never on my bucket list anyway. I don't think I'm designed for it. Well, still plenty of time tomorrow. So if you want to join me six months, we'll start running the hills. Uh, be no, grand. I'll, I'll leave you off this <laughs> anyway, maybe in the future. <laughs> All right, Tomas. Uh, Leinster um, were just far too good for Munster last night. And that's kind of the, the, the start and end of it, really, isn't it? Yeah, look, I suppose there was an element of hope for Munster coming in. Um, but look, the, the first half kind of dispelled that. And, you know, Leinster were pretty pretty clinical, you know, into whatever bit of a breeze that but that, that, that they were playing against. They still kinda of controlled the game and obviously 
got ahead in the scoreboard and, and once Munster were chasing, um, you know, they were never really going to get past Leinster. Whereas if Munster had got a bit of a bit of a head start, um, you know, you felt that they might have been competitive. But yeah, look, Leinster's class uh, kind of shone through and, you know, they're still missing mm. missing a few lads to come back. I know Munster weren't full strength either, but, um, you know, a home game against Leinster, you would have hoped that it would have been slightly more competitive. But um, So a bit, bit deflating uh, between that and the Cork Earlers now last night uh, wasn't the best the best night. <laughs> Were you surprised the, the, the golf was so wide between the two teams last night? Uh, probably not surprised when you look at uh, you know the the Leinster team you know the you know Keenan Gary Ringrose Henshaw James Lowe you know Gibson Park has been brilliant for Ireland so uh, you know Barry Sexton you kind of have a you know an international backline there and look you saw the international front row been sprung from the bench you know in the second half as well so um, you know Leinster probably had a stronger squad out last night so I expected probably Leinster to to be that bit more clinical and that bit more uh, up, up, uh, you know, up to up to the standard of uh, you know the week before a, a European Cup. Um, but you know, you'd hoped that maybe the you know the Munster could have raised their performance uh, to, to try and challenge them. But no, I wasn't surprised. Uh, you know, about the golfing class. Um, it kind of leaves Munster, I suppose, with a bit of a, an uphill battle now to um, to get a, a home semi final. They're currently fourth. They still have to go to Belfast. They still have to, to play Leinster again at the Aviva Stadium. So it's, it's a, to get a home semi final is going to be tough for for Munster at this point. Yeah, well, look, it's uh, the the RC is, is is has become very competitive, really, and and like you said, we've a couple of very difficult fixtures. Um, but look, I think as Monster probably main priority as it always is 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 the European Cup, and I think uh, you know obviously the the upcoming challenges against uh, Exeter are kind of whet the appetite. So I don't think Monster will be dwelling too too much on the the league. Um, you know they'll take some positives from from last night. Um, you know especially the introduction of a few guys off the bench. Craig Casey, um, you know, uh, you know, had added a lot of tempo, and I thought Alex Candelan was was very impressive with the with the limited game mm-hmm. time he got. So there is positives, but um, you know, obviously Exeter away in the first game will be a tough tough ask. But I think um, you know the likes of Jack Noel. I think he's out with uh, with a broken arm. I think he'll be a big loss, and I do expect uh, Munster to. To get to get get by over the two legs, the aggregate of the two legs. So look, there's not all lost, and I think you know if Munster can get a bit of momentum, you know, a couple of good performances, Exeter, and move on to the latter stages of the European Cup, um, you know, they might build a bit of momentum, and you know, suddenly then you have a few more of the internationals coming back into the mix, and you never know where it will go. So I do think Munster's priority will be on the on the European Cup. Gavin Coombs limping out last night with an ankle injury is a, a massive concern of course Exeter to come in the Champions Cup next week once um, already have a big injury list with the likes of Conway Zebo Kilcoyne missing last night so that's a massive concern of Coombs isn't it? Yeah look it will be um Hundred percent. You know, you only have to look at the, you know, the, the physicality of the likes of Caelan Doris and Jack Conan um, last night, and you know, particularly Doris. Look, he looked very, very impressive. Um, and to be fair to Gavin Coombs, he's probably been Monsters, uh, you know, sole ball carrier, like our most certainly most impressive ball carrier over the last couple of years. You look at his try scoring record is phenomenal. So, hopefully, his injury isn't too bad. But it, it certainly didn't look good. Mm. Um, look. 
I'm very, very enthused about the prospect that Alex Gundelin is. Um, I think he's he's a fantastic player, but um, he's probably a bit off off the level of Coombs at the moment. Um, but look, like I said, when he came on, he did look did look very, very impressive. And you have the likes of um, Jack O'Sullivan to come into the mix as well. You know, he's another fantastic player who you know um, was very, very promising a couple of years ago and has has shown um, you know uh, I suppose at different times he's shown his ability on the pitch. Um, and I've had it from from West Cork as well. He's another fine fine player, probably a lower centre of gravity and a different type of player, but look, we certainly do with Gavin Coombs, you know, hopefully you know, not being too much of a long-term injury. Uh, very finally, Tomás, you mentioned the Cork hurlers there, disappointment last night uh, against Waterford and a lot to think about, a lot to work on ahead of Limerick in two weeks' time. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I suppose overall it has been a, a good league campaign, but I suppose, look, I suppose, again, back to the the old weaknesses, you know, we've looked pretty, pretty uh, frail at the back, you know, mm. conceding four goals, um, you know, so the signs probably aren't aren't the best for two weeks' time, and I do think Limerick will be waiting in the long grass. You know, all the talk is has been about Waterford and Cork, and you know, I suppose Limerick's frailties over the last while. So, I think they've been off working for the last couple of weeks, and you know, you know, sole focus on coming down to Parky Cueve in two weeks. So, you know, you know, they're the defending All Ireland champions yeah, for a reason, and you know, they were phenomenal last year. So, I fully expect Limerick to come down full metal jacket, and I'd be. I'd be uh, I'd, I'd be fearful of, of what will happen in Parky Cueve in, in two weeks. Look, definitely going to get down there, and I think it'll be a great atmosphere. Hopefully, a, f- a full, you know, a full a full uh, Parky Cueve. But um, you know, it's a tough tough ask for for Cork in two weeks. But I'd be hopeful that you know I think I think Waterford and Limerick look the strongest in Munster. I think it's between us, Clare, and and Tip to get the third uh, the third place. But look, I'd be hopeful over the over the four games that we can we can get out of Munster. All right. Excellent. Well, it's a pleasure talking to you, buddy. Uh, thanks for joining us on the bench tonight. Good to chat to you. Talk to you soon, bud. Yeah, great to chat to Tomás Larry there about uh, uh, Munster's defeat uh, to Leinster last night. Of course, Munster, or Tomás, uh, a former Munster and Ireland scrum half. And of course, Gustav McCork as well, because a man of many talents is our Tomás, former Cork, uh, uh, All Ireland winning minor captain as well. So it was great to, to have Tomás back on with us on the Big Red Bench this evening. Still plenty to come on the show. Uh, we're going to talk Masters in a minute with Dennis Kerwin. Uh, we are going to uh, talk uh, more Gaelic Games with Armin Jar McCarthy as well as he talks about the, the publication of his new book. So we're going to talk to Jar about that next. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Well, it's all over between Tottenham and Newcastle. A big win for Tottenham. Nigel Bidmead. Tottenham have come from behind to beat Newcastle 5-1. The visitors took the lead on 39 through Fabian Schaar's free kick, but Spurs soon levelled. Ben Davis glancing home. Hyung Min Son's cross. Tottenham raised their game after the break and scored twice in five minutes. The first a diving header on the far post from Matt Doherty before Son finished off a counter-attack with an emphatic finish. Emerson Royale stretched to touch home a fourth and substitute Stephen Bergwijn scored late on to make it Spurs 5, Newcastle 1. All right, delighted now to, to talk to, to Ger McCarthy, uh, our man, you'll know Ger quite well, host of the Women's Sport podcast 
on uh, Tuesday or Thursdays on Cork's Red FM. You get that at noon every Thursday on redfm.ie. Uh, I call him the hardest working person in the business because he certainly is. His new book, Cork LGFA, The Game of My Life, is out now on Hero Books. And I was delighted to, to ring Ger up earlier today to talk to him about it. All right, delighted uh, to be joined on the line now by our good friend Ger McCarthy, the hardest working person in the business and the author of Cork LGFA, Game of My Life. As Cork LGFA's greatest footballers remember the game that will live with them forever. George, delighted to have you on the line with us today, buddy. Thanks very much, buddy. It's uh, nice to be on talking to you and talking about a book for a change and not a match report <laughs> on the side of a pitch. Joe, uh, really you've written books before Off Centre Circle has been in our office mm. for, for quite a, a long while. Can you tell us, I suppose, the genesis of this book and how it all came about? Yeah, Off Centre Circle is actually unbelievably so, uh, 13 years old this year what? and I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. I wrote it back in the day when I hadn't a clue what I was doing but the good people at The Echo uh, backed me and uh, you know published a book on my behalf and it's, for those who don't know, it's about a lifetime growing up playing junior soccer, amateur soccer in West Cork and all the pitfalls and all the, the highs and the, very, and the lows that came with it. But I swore blind after that, Rory, and I'm, I'm being very honest here that I'd never write a book again because... I, I just it took so much time so much effort and I didn't know what I was getting into until I was in it and then I had to finish it and as proud I am as I am about the book and getting the book out there and it doing so well back in, back in the day um, I didn't enjoy the process to be honest with you really? the whole process it was lovely no not really it was lovely going back talking to people about the good old days but putting pen to paper and not being really experienced 13 years ago an experienced writer um, I kind of thought this isn't for me and then just this past uh, the lock, just before lockdown started, um, I was talking to another good friend of the show here, Dennis Hurley, who um, has a book out at the moment as well, the same genre on the Car Curlers game of my life, a brilliant book, and go and buy that one as well if you get a chance. Um, I mentioned to Dennis uh, Hero Books. I, I didn't know much about Hero Books, the publishers, and he mentioned, look, it's Liam Hayes, the ex Mead footballer, um, and I said, yeah. He said, would you do you want do you want to have a chat with him? And um, very kindly, Dennis put me in touch with with, with Liam Hayes, and it, it kind of just went from there, really. Fantastic stuff. And was like, how did the 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 subject matter come about? Was it a very natural kind of process that yeah. you said, like LGFA? It's my thing. Well, as you know from my mutterings on the sideline, I have been <laughs> very fortunate enough to cover ladies football over the last oh man, I don't know how many years now, but at, at grassroots level in West Cork, firstly, then at county level, and and then at inter county level, and you know. Um, from speaking to Liam, he's very proactive. He's a very, very good guy. And Hero Digital Books have a whole plethora of, you know, titles out there. But I said to him, well, what about, you know, a female women's sports book? Because there isn't very many of those around. And he thought that was a good idea. And then he said, well, what would you like to write about? And I said, well, you know, I'm, I know I have connections in Cork LGFA. I, I, I cover a lot of games. And he said, we take, he said, that's a great idea. Let's see, let's see where this goes. We um, wrote up a, proposal, gave him a sample, and from there uh, they signed me up straight away. And what happened at that point, Rory, was um, I had, you know, I had in my head who I wanted to speak to. Um, I put a list together, when I came up with 70 names. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. The genre, Game of My Life from Hero Books, it's basically um, already uh, out there that you can buy at the moment. As I said, Dennis's book on the car curlers. There's a Dublin football book. There's a Kerry football book. There's a Waterford hurling book out there. It's basically 25 or 30 players, past and present. They each get their own chapter and they each, in their own words, explain to you 
you know, about the game of their life, the game that they remember the most, the one that changed their lives. So it's 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 quite a lengthy. There's a lot of work involved in doing that because you you have to obviously get involved with with 25 different people. Um, and what happened to me was when I got to go ahead and I got the green lights and I had my list and I whittled it down to 25. Um, COVID struck, mm-hmm. and that's when things changed and things were delayed and obviously timelines were, were thrown out of whack. But fortunately for me, and I say it kind of, you know, I'm minding how I say it because so many people suffered and are still suffering with COVID-19 and during all that lockdown at the very beginning when we were indoors and couldn't go outdoors, it actually worked out well for me because for this particular book, Cork LGFA Game of My Life, I didn't meet one player. Mm-hmm. Every one of the interviews was done via Zoom. And the handy thing was there was no match reports, there was no matches at the weekend. I had time, Rory, and I had time to plan and I had time to arrange time with the players and to get it done. And look, I have to say, I don't know how the book was going to go. Hopefully it'll go well for Hero Books Digital, for them more than anyone else. And also for the 25 people that I interviewed, I hope it goes well from, on their behalf. But the process and speaking to these players and, and their warriors, all 25 of them, was so enjoyable. I mean, it was just a joy to write this book and I mean that and it kind of I fell back in love with writing a bit I'd fallen out of love for a while there I mean you know you do your weekly reporting and as you know it's a grind mm-hmm. you've got to do it we aren't there's 52 weeks in the year you've got to go every week there's something on this book I was worried might might not be something that I enjoy doing but it was the complete opposite and every minute that I spent working on it every minute I spent writing it, every minute I spent speaking to the 25 players was an absolute joy and hopefully that transfers onto the pages yeah, 75 players onto 25 must have been uh, quite the task but 25 players you've gotten and I believe uh, Julian Murphy was the first player you spoke to for this project and no better where to start No and th- this is the thing and I'm glad of the opportunity and thank you for giving me the opportunity to say to people listening this is not the 25 greatest players mm-hmm. that ever put on the Cork AGFA jersey and that's very important these are the 25 people I wanted to talk to the most because I knew some had to- stories to tell but what I didn't know was the stories that others had to tell. And Juliet Murphy is a case in point, Rory. Um, she t- like each of the players chooses a game. Now it can be inter-county, it can be club or it can be college, I don't mind. Amazingly, a lot of players chose club games. Mm-hmm. And Juliet Murphy, for those who don't know, was one of the warriors of the Cork team that dominated the inter-county scene for nearly 11 All-Irelands during a 10-year decade, like over 12 years there with Eamon Ryan, God rest him at the helm. But Juliet, when we started talking, I found out things about Juliet that I didn't know. Um, things about setting, very, coming very close to setting fire to a coach in the family <laughs> home when they used to play more games. I found out how nervous she is uh, or was as a person and how she came out of herself and her skin as time went on and became more confident by playing with Cork. But she was never, and she comes across as such a confident and loving, you know, a lovely person anyway. But on the pitch, people are different. And it took, just hearing that story, and it's a good point that you make there about Juliet, Rory, because this is a different book than I think people will expect when they start reading it. And what I mean is, it's not 25 match reports. It's 25 people telling me things, uh, both humorous and both tragic, about their own lives and why ladies football was so important to them and why they became the players, successful players that they all became eventually. And Juliet is a case in point because there was a, like a lot of, I said in one of the press releases, look, there was laughs and there was tears. There was lots of tears talking to the players in this because they've each suffered tragedies in their life, be it family or friends. Mm-hmm. And they were all very open about it. And they were open about why it made a difference to them. For example, Mary O'Connor, she's another warrior from you know, Dunhamore as well, along with Juliet, um, also head of Sport Ireland uh, in the country, has, has 
fantastic career for herself. But when she played for Cork, both Camogie and football, she suffered a family tragedy shortly before a big match. Um, two family tragedies, actually, and spoke openly about them. And, you know, when you start a conversation with somebody, you don't intentionally go down that route. But if players are comfortable talking about it, we go there and we bring it up and we talk about it because the beauty of this book, Rory, is it's not 25 footballers, it's 25 individuals. And what I wanted more than anything was to find out what makes Darren O'Sullivan tick. Why is Emer Scally the player that she is? What is it about Orla Finn? What is it about Kinsale and her club that makes her such a fantastic player? And each one of the players, I found out something that I didn't know, a lot of things that I didn't know. And they were open, they were honest, and more than anything, they trusted me with their stories, which I, uh, I'm very humbled by. Um, and each of them, when they got a draft of it and they, were, they, were, they saw what was happening on the pages, they were all happy and delighted with it. And that, to me, more than anything, obviously the publishers wanted to sell, <laughs> understandably so, but for me, getting the approval of each of those players and hearing how happy they were that I took the time to go down those routes and to talk about personal issues and personal things makes this, you know, a really, in my opinion, a really good read. And what's the feedback been like from the players, Ger, after they've read their own stories and the stories of their, their, their colleagues and former teammates? Well, one of the interesting things, Rory, is I wasn't able to get you know a draft of a, of a chapter out to them because of COVID and whatever that was going on. So I actually, for, for most of the players, and not all of them, I read it to them. Right. Now, it's extremely weird to have a deep <laughs> culture from West Cork, a deep voice culture from West Cork reading back your words to you. <laughs> and it was for, so to all 25 and plus and that like Breed Stack was in Australia when I was reading it to her and Hannah Looney was in America. So she's kind of looking at me going, this is weird. But I'll tell you what it is. Um, when you hear, and luckily with Zoom, I was able to see their reactions Rory. Mm. There were kind of tears. There was a lot of tears, probably at my writing, but there was probably tears at what it all brought back, the memories that it brought back. And it, one of the, there's lots of themes in this book. One of the big themes is Eamon Ryan. Mm. How could it not be? Yeah. Now, it's not the Eamon Ryan autobiography and never was going to be. But I, we've got beautiful, beautiful stories in there that I didn't know about Eamon. Things that he did for some of the players. Valerie Mulcahy, Rena Buckley speaks glowingly. A lovely story about driving onto the pitch after they won their first All-Ireland in his little white car, their famous white car, playing simply the best at the top, you know, <laughs> blaring out the windows and everybody gathering around and dancing and laughing. A beautiful memory. And I've spoken to member, two members of the of the Ryan family in the interim. And uh, look, hopefully they'll be there for the book. Hopefully they can be there for the book launch. But even if they're not, they're, they're just delighted that a book coming out talking about the things that Eamon did both on and off the pitch um, is, is coming out and he's a big team in the book Skeena Skull Rory mm. is something that surprised me every one of the players talks about Skeena Skull at some point every one of the players also talks about the teachers in their lives not just the coaches that helped them um, and that was very interesting and all the players in the early part of the book because we've got past and present but the past players that played and won all those All-Irelands what's incredibly interesting is every one of them started playing with the boys. Mm. They played on boys' teams growing up. Elaine Hart has some fantastic stories about that. Um, you know, uh, again, Mary O'Connor, Rena Buckley, all, all the players of that, of that time, they all had to play on the boys' teams because there was no girls' football. There was no teams for them to play on. And it hardened them. It, you know, it, it made them ready for the challenges that would come later on. And it certainly, did, it certainly benefited them. And how times have changed from the start of the book from Juliet Murphy to the end with Melissa Duggan, um, mm. t- times have changed, yes, but the things that made these players the players and the people that they are, the successes, 
the, the coaches, the teachers, the highs, the lows, the disappointments, the tears, it's all in there. And like, there's obviously some uh, kind of crossover, more, four players. Uh, I think, I think it's, uh, who's it now? Uh, Valerie Mulcahy, Angela Walsh, Deirdre O'Reilly, and uh, Breach Corkery all talk about the same game, which is the comeback against Dublin in 2014, where they were 10 points down, with like 15 minutes to go, and they came back. And each of the players tells the same story, but from a different perspective. And it's lovely when you read it to see what each of them was thinking, what was going through their heads. And it, look, it's, it's fascinating. And look, I found it because the players were so open, Rory, because they were so honest with me. Um, and like, I, I just saw, I, mean, I can't even begin to pick out the different bits of stories. I hope it's a book that people will pick up and enjoy. And the feedback I've received so far, even though it's still very early days, is overwhelmingly positive. And I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear people that have and that are reading it are getting in touch with me and telling me that they're enjoying it. Excellent. The book is Cork LGFA Game of My Life by John McCarthy, unknown hero books from all good bookstores. And Jerry, as you mentioned, you had to whittle down 75 players to 25. So looking forward to volumes two and three already. Um, yeah, cheers, Roy. <laughs> as, he, as he sits back into his chair, I can reveal um, I can reveal this much today in exclusive way. I'm in the process of writing a new book. Oh. But I can't tell you what it's about. I can't tell you what it's about. <laughs> but I am writing a new book uh, because I enjoyed the process so much. And look, can I take the opportunity to thank all the support uh, of the clubs, of the uh, of the Cork LGFA as well, who've been fantastic to me. Mm. Um, and each one of the 25 players for being so honest um, and being so so brilliant with the book. It's uh, it, it was a real, real pleasure to talk to them and to, and to put pen to paper about them. Sure, on the ball. Thanks very much for talking to us today, buddy. Thank you, sir. That's Sure McCarthy the hardest working person in the business talking about his new book Cork LGFA The Game of My Life so no one hero books from all good bookshops it's a cracking read a cracking read and uh, you'll enjoy this no matter what sport you like it's well worth picking up and uh, yeah fantastic stuff to, 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 for George to get the book I remember he told me that he was writing a book and my first response was are there still 24 hours in a day because George works around the clock I don't know where he found the time to do this um, but yeah fantastic to uh, to see George's new book come out and great to hear that he's busy working away on another book as well alright going to talk golf because one of my favourite sporting events ever is coming up um, this coming uh, Thursday the Masters at Augusta incredible stuff the event the golf event one of the greatest events of the year a lot of questions now about Tiger Woods about Tiger Woods excuse me and whether or not he'll be participating tweeting out today that he was going back there for more training today hasn't uh, played since he broke his leg in a car crash uh, in February of last year serious leg injury from that five time Augusta champion of course but he's back on course today continuing his preparations will he be there will he be not we're not entirely sure but uh, our man Aidan Leahy spoke to golf reporter Dennis Kerman to find out who to keep an eye on ahead of the Masters this Thursday Dennis Corwin is on the line to look ahead to everyone's favourite week of golf, the Masters. Dennis, how's things? Hi, Aidan. How are you doing? Not too bad at all. I think um, this is it's probably everyone becomes a golf fan for, for four days during the Masters. You must be really go- looking forward to it. Yeah, very much so. I've been lucky enough to be there on a good few occasions. And uh, Augusta is the type of place, Aidan, that actually exceeds your expectation. It's an extraordinary place. And uh, I suppose the one thing for me that 
that stood out for me and, and was quite a surprise to me when I first went there was just how hilly Augusta is. Um, many people think it's, it's relatively flat. It's far from it. It's quite undulating and it's going to be a fair old walk for, for, for most of the golfers but um, more, more so for anybody else uh, for Tiger Woods should he appear, Aidan. And that's the big talk at the moment whether he's going to make it or not. He's won five green jackets. We know what he did in 2019 but if he was to come here in 2022 after what he's been through over the last couple of years to win a Masters well that would be a story on a different scale altogether Absolutely yeah it's such a like there's a and such an aura about Augusta and Tiger Woods at Augusta as well like I think everybody wants to see him there Yeah it would be fantastic it would be absolutely fantastic um, and, and you know I was just thinking it would be it would be particularly good for Rory McIlroy because all the focus of attention would be on Tiger I mean if Tiger goes he's going to be a 80 to 1 or 100 to 1 shot and the chances of him winning are, are quite slim but uh, Rory McIlroy is going there he has, hasn't been in the best of form but the one thing about Rory is he, he goes every year in the hope that he'll ultimately complete his Grand Slam and this would be the seventh chance to uh, to complete that career Grand Slam he just needs a green jacket and uh, not sure if he's in the form this year to achieve it but certainly um, it, it, it takes some of the pressure off the fact that Tiger will be there I would imagine he will it's now Saturday he hasn't committed to say yes or no uh, Aiden. but uh, I'm sure that decision is imminent Yeah and like you say with Rory then of course he tried to take a different approach this week to what he's done in previous years by entering the Texas Open and uh, he was fancied to do quite well but it didn't seem to work out that way for him No kind of backfired on him a little bit um, he, he certainly hasn't uh, he hasn't had a good week. I mean, he's missed the cut by a shot and he was hoping to get four rounds in and, and hopefully maybe get himself into contention. But that's not likely to happen, obviously, uh, now that he's missed the cut. So it's not going to happen. So it, it has backfired in a sense. He decided not to play last week, interestingly, because he felt as though there was the potential that he, he might have to play uh, seven rounds over the course of four days. And um, somewhat presumptuous, I would say. But uh, like in, in, in fairness to him, he's, you know, he he's going there as I say and, and possibly will be under the radar to a certain extent and if he is it will be to his benefit because that pressure has weighed heavily on him in recent years One man who did play last weekend played probably more rounds than he expected was, was Seamus Power his first um, trip to Augusta uh, rookies at Augusta are never fancied to, to, to do much uh, how much of it for Seamus Power is just getting the experience of being there next week? Yeah, that, that's interesting Aiden, from the point of view when you when you consider that the likes of Shane Lowry missed three of his four for his first four cuts when he uh, first started playing the Masters. So it's a course that certainly gets to it takes a, a bit of getting to know. The last uh, rookie to have won a Masters was Fuzzy Zeller back in 1979. So that'll tell you how difficult a, a, a feat it is to achieve. So like certainly Seamus has nothing to lose. He's going there in good form as you say he played very very well in the in the world match play he was unlucky to come up against Scotty Scheffler a player who's just on a serious run of form at the moment and is now uh, world number one uh, but he, he played impeccably other than that and he's going there with nothing to lose but it's a big ask to win on your first outing and uh, I, I would say the odds are definitely stacked against him of course we have a couple of other Irish in the field uh, with Patrick Harrington is going to be there as well we mentioned Rory we've mentioned Shane you've mentioned Seamus and Patrick Harrington is going to be there based on his 
his uh, his uh, top five finish at the US PGA Championship last year. He got himself into contention a few times, and you can never really write Podrick Harrington off. And Augusta is the type of place that. You know, players that have had a lot of experience there, the likes down through the years of Freddie Couples, who wasn't doing very, very much on the PGA Tour. Every time he go to Augusta Aiden, he put in a decent performance. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if Podrick does the same this week. Yeah, Podrick is always a fellow who can surprise you. You, you. You're not really paying much attention, and next thing you get a notification halfway through Saturday, it's like he's right in contention. He comes, kind of comes out of nowhere. Absolutely, yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, he he's he's actually had a very very good start. He's joint leader on the uh, seniors tour event that he's playing in in Missouri this weekend, and that's not a bad warm up uh, event for Podrick. And uh, you know, as I say, he's a lot of experience in the place. He's he's still very much a, a force to be reckoned with, even though he's now in his fifties. And Augusta is the type of course that can uh, throw up an odd surprise. Now, the the oldest player ever to have won a Masters was Jack Nicklaus, who was forty six years of age back in 1986 so again the stats would very much be against him but uh, I, I, I think he, he, he'll, he'll perform well and, and, and quit himself uh, very very well over the few days Another stat I suppose is that uh, I think players outside the top 30 uh, their chances are really reduced as well Shane Laurie's 32nd I think is yeah. he? Yeah, that, is, that, that certainly is an interesting statistic, all right. You know, um, the winner tends to come from, you know, players who are in form towards the top of the rankings. And, uh, you know, there, there's, there's a few players stand out for me this year, I have to say. I mean, obviously, you, you'd have to say Scotty Sheffer being in the form that he currently is, uh, is, is the player they all have to beat. I mean, he won the, the match play, he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational, he won the Phoenix Open. So he's won three of his last five starts. Now, that's that's like, that's the kind of form that Tiger Woods was in for years, winning three out of five events. Not too many people have achieved it in recent years. You go down through the list of players who are, or, who are you would consider would have a reasonable chance. Of course, John Ram. John Ram opened his. Uh, opened his majors duck or he broke his majors duck rather Aiden last year when he won the US Open um, and he's been relatively consistent uh, since then but it, his form this year hasn't been of the certainly of the same type of consistency as he's shown in, in recent years I mean last year in 2021 he had 13 top 10s and 21 starts and uh, this year he's had 4 and 8 so he's still you know he, he's still a player who's never far off the pace and, and, and is one who has to very much come into contention. Colin Marikawa is another. Uh, Marikawa, of course, you know, won the, the Open Championship last year at, at Royal St. George's and he added that to uh, the, the major he had won previously, the PGA Championship back in 2020. So Marikawa is very much a player for the big occasion. You can't discount him. Then you have the likes of Victor Hovland who's looking for his first major and uh, he won um, at the start of the year, he won in Dubai and he had won a couple of times at the end of 2021. He won the, the World Golf Championship at Mayakoba and he also won the Hero World Challenge so he's a player who's been very very much in form and won't be too far away but the player that I really like for this week is Cameron Smith Aiden. Cameron Smith on his last outing won the Players Championship in fine style he won the Century Tournament of Champions to open the season and he was tied fourth at the Saudi International all within the space of five starts he likes Augusta he was second there a couple of years ago back in 2020 behind Dustin Johnson he was also tied fifth there in 2018 and he has three consecutive of top 10s. He was tied 10th in 2021. So if you were asking me where my few quid each way be going this week, it'll be on Australian Cameron Smith. 
and you won't miss him either with that hairstyle and the tash as well or so he still has the tash he does and he, I would imagine he'd become the first mulleted man <laughs> ever to win the Opa or the, the Masters uh, John Daly was the last player of significance with a, with a mullet similar and uh, he won of course two majors but didn't win the Masters so uh, it'll be interesting to see those long mulleted locks slowing down over a green jacket should he win one Aiden. absolutely excellent stuff we're starting to get excited for it now fantastic enjoy next week you too thanks very much Yes, certainly looking forward to the Masters getting underway in four days. Four days. That's exciting. Reinstall the Masters app on my phone. Cannot wait for four days. Oh, God, that's where I will be for most of the weekend, sat in front of the TV watching the Masters. All right, before we rock, go out of here and hand you over to Green on Red with Max Backburn from 7 o'clock. Uh, we're going to hear some reaction from two Cork schools who are were crowned Little PPS uh, champions earlier on in the week. First up, we're going to hear from St. Mary's High School, uh, Middleton, as they were crowned the Senior A champions uh, at Brough GAA, defeating uh, Moat Community School. 112 to 7 points. Jerry McCarthy uh, was speaking to uh, co manager Tomas McAteer and Captain Derek Nairy. It has been a fantastic weekend for St. Mary's High School Middleton because they have been crowned Lidl All Ireland PPS Senior A champions following a fantastic 112 to 0 7 victory over Moat Community School. Um, I'm delighted to say we're joined on the line by both the winning manager and captain. First up, Tomas McAteer. Tomas, congratulations. A fantastic day for you and for your school. Thanks. Yeah, it was a great day. Everything went some way according to plan anyway, but. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're all happy coming home on the bus anyway. We're all delighted, so a great day out. You've put a lot of time and effort in this year, Tomás, as have the squad, and um, they've they've obviously uh, committed to the cause because you don't win All-Irelands like this unless you have a panel of players that are willing to, to to sacrifice time and make a lot of effort. Yeah, I suppose even not even this year, you know, they're a group that bought into it a couple of years back and they've been pushing hard to spend. And as you mentioned training there, I can remember we trained during Christmas in the hall after they were out it's just snowed over in the hall after they were there and certainly even there and certainly fight there today so yeah it's a very committed bunch and uh, we couldn't ask for more from them um, There was a special guest at today's uh, All-Ireland Final as well a three-month-old daughter uh, her name please and congratulations on that Yeah thanks very much Rihanna yeah, she made an appearance alright after the game yeah. she, she was small to understand but she I'll show her when she's older yeah, another a quick way to get them into the football. Fair play, Tomas. That's good thinking long term. Um, we're also joined on the line today by the winning St. Mary's Middleton captain, and that is Dara Kinnery, um, who played a, a very, very important role in a game that her school won one twelve to not seven. Dara, how are you? Oh, brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations. What does it feel like to lift an All Ireland trophy? Oh, it's amazing. Like it's everything you'd ever dream of, really. Talk to me about this squad of players because clearly there's a lot of talent in it. Anya Hallahan, the likes of Rachel Quirk, a lot of good players, um, players that we would know. But for yourself and for the entire panel, you've put in a huge effort this year. It must be fantastic now to have a trophy at the end of it. Oh yeah, sure. Everyone's been putting in that really hard graft for years now, really, to be honest. And there's, I think there's a group of about five or six of us from six there that have been there since first year working all the way up the ranks. And so it's all due to the clubs, like, and all the hard work they're putting in on the ground. Very well said. Moat Community School really put it up to you. It was a very tight first half. You pulled away in the second half. I mean, you were expecting a tough match anyway, but um, Moat are a serious team. Oh, yeah, definitely. There was a few near misses there in the first half. I 
I had to make a stop on the line, which is really, it's not what you want to be doing, but sure, we got over the line in the end. They were a great side, really. That's Derek Clary there, the captain of St Mary's High School Middleton. We also heard from their uh, co-manager, Tomás McAteer. Uh, congratulations indeed to everyone at St Mary's High School in Middleton. You can hear that full interview on the Women in Sport podcast coming this coming Thursday on RelFM.ie from 12 with the hardest working person in the in the business, Jarrah McCarthy. All right, going to hear now from our Sacred Heart Clan of Kilty as they claim the lead Lawl Ireland PPS Senior C title at Sean Tracy Park in Tipperary as they defeated their opponents, our ladies, uh, Bauer, uh, to by just two points in the end. Congratulations indeed to everyone at Sacred Heart in Clonakilty. Going to hear from their co-managers, Brian Daly and Kieran Mulcahy. Now I'm here with the victorious All-Ireland Senior C winning management team from Sacred Heart Clonakilty following a pulsating All-Ireland final in Tipperary Town when Sacred Heart Clonakilty outlasted our ladies Burr from Westmead. Brian Daly and Kieran Mulcahy, hearty congratulations. Kieran, um, how's the heart after all that? She curse fairly dodgy at the moment. There was, um, look, it was helter-skelter for the whole 60 minutes and um, the, the few minutes of extra time as well. Um, I suppose they got a couple of goals early on. I think we were seven points. We were drawn at half-time against a strong wind. I suppose we thought that we would have um, gone on and got a few goals they were a super team and it's fantastic to see two evenly matched teams in a final and not to have a runaway final and there's great credit due to that school to our ladies of Bower as well um, they were super and they had a lot of homework done on us and they, they knew our strengths most definitely so we're delighted to get over the line and you can probably hear in the background the girls cheering so that'll go on for a few days undoubtedly yeah and deservedly so Brian Daly um, this team never knows when it's beaten all the way through this championship they've played a full 60 and 66 minutes today you must be very very proud yeah unbelievably um, look they're a brilliant bunch of girls personally um, and in school they're just there's a never say die attitude whatever they take on they do, do it with 100% um, I, I suppose I can't say I always knew that they'd win today but I always knew that they'd give absolutely everything uh, that they had um, and if that was good enough which it was today um, it was great what does this mean for the school? Um, I suppose it's brilliant it, you can see the, the bus loads that have come up here today now um, it'll probably bring on a few more superstars like Millie Condon get them interested in um, ladies football but um, it's just great for the girls um, it's their day um, they've worked really really hard all year um, they were a pleasure to coach um, and I'm so proud of them Congratulations and to Sacred Heart and to St Mary's of Middleton and for more Big Red Bench podcast this coming Thursday on redfm.ie but that's it from us thank you very much indeed for tuning in to us podcast online shortly redfm.ie and from wherever you get your podcasts uh, we're back next Saturday Green and Red's up next Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie Cork's Red FM